chapter 2 and verses 1 to 12. Luke chapter 2 and verses 1 to 12. Luke chapter 2 and verses 1 to 12. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for a baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn. A son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And as we uh, prepare to hear from Gar, why don't we uh, come together in prayer uh, it's great to see um, with us today a newly married couple, uh, Jordan and Anthea Hill. So it's, they're here. Why don't we thank Tracy? <laughs> Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. And thank you for the great news that we read about in your word, that you, God, who are holy and mighty and powerful, have come to us in human form as a baby, helpless, uh, vulnerable. Uh, Thank you, God, that you lived on this earth, that you showed us what it is to live. And through your death, you've given us forgiveness of sin, hope for eternal life. And through your rising again and sending your spirit, Every day you give us strength to live the life that you've called us to. God, this is good news and we are so thankful. We praise you and thank you at this Christmas time to proclaim and to tell of all the great things you've done for us. It brings us great joy and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we thought we would love to just share with you the things that um, Mission Watch have been up to and we asked Nicole Webb to come up and just share with us. Thanks, Nicole. Why don't we give her... Isn't it wonderful to be here this morning? And we know that our God reigns and he's here with us. 
And what a fantastic time we've been having over this weekend with the Christmas musical. It reminds me of a time when I was just seven years old and my aunt worked for Bosch in Melbourne and um, they were putting on a Christmas play. And being, um, as you know, a triplet, there's three, um, you know, they were looking for three uh, children to play a particular role in the Christmas play, and you could imagine what role we had. Um, however, everything about the um, Christmas musical was identical to the Christmas story and to the scripture we just heard uh, Jonathan speak, except for some inexplicable reason, instead of being the three wise men, we were the three gnomes. <laughs> And uh, I don't know why, I'll never forget that, but all I know is that I was dressed in blue as a Smurf, and so were my other two sisters, and we were in the Christmas play. Uh, but little did I know at that point at seven that I would be paying homage uh, as an adult some 20 years later to a child that um, I really did give my whole life to. Uh, when I was seven... I played homage to a child in a play and it was all pretend and I had no idea. When I was 27, um, I paid homage to this child in a real way, in a profound way with my whole life. I'd come to understand the significance and the difference this child made in my life and in the world. And that's what I really want to talk about today because I think when we look at the scripture and we hear the Christmas story and we go to so many Christmas plays, not diminishing the marvellous play we've had here in this church over this weekend, we can tend to get a little bit blasé about the story. We can tend to think that we know it off by heart. We know it's about a baby. We know it's about a manger. We know it's about animals. We know it's about a star. We know it's about some angels and some wise men. But what is the difference this child really makes in your life? What difference does this baby make in your life? The first difference that I want to talk about this morning is that this child difference in my life and hopefully in your life is that he became known to me as a personalised God. He became personal. Instead of being up there in the sky, a judging God, he became a God that I personally came to know. And I believe the Christmas story tells us that, speaks to us about that. You know, Mary was a young girl, a virgin. She was a woman who had never had sexual relationships with a man. And, and the scriptures say she gave birth. This conception was a miracle. Yet the birth was a normal process of labour. Mary gave birth just as many of the women here this morning have given birth. Her waters broke. She began to have contractions. She felt overwhelmed by the process going on inside her body. Her back hurt. There was pain and effort and sweat, pushing, stretching, burning. Don't want to turn any of the young girls off here. <laughs> and then finally, amazingly, 
I think some of the men know what this is about too. I can remember I nearly yanked my husband's head off giving birth to Jordan. (laughs) Amazingly, this new little creature came forth from her body. Mary gave birth and the baby Jesus came into this world just as you and I have come into this world through our mother's womb. Jesus was a baby, a normal baby, born in the normal way. Jesus was really human. Jesus was a baby who soiled himself, spit up, cried when he was hungry. He was completely dependent upon his parents for meeting his every need. He could do nothing for himself. With his little hands, he grasped fingers that were held out to him. These same fingers created the universe. He couldn't communicate at first except by crying. He took months to learn to crawl and even more months to learn to walk and to speak. Jesus, who was God, became personalised. Jesus was also born to a poor family in especially difficult circumstances. And I'm sure Mary and Joseph did their best to make their newborn comfortable and safe and clean, but no stable is a sanitary place. How far were they from water? How did they clean him up after the birth? What did the manger really look like, the manger that for years had been home to grass and hay falling out of the mouths of cows? What message was God giving us for his son to be born in such a way? What difference does this baby mean to you at Christmas, being born in such a way? But Jesus was also born with the appearance of illegitimacy. Few believe Mary's story of the angel Gabriel. Surely most of those who saw her pregnant assumed she became that way through the normal process. This stigma of illegitimacy followed Jesus all his life. Jesus would have needed courage to endure the growing up process even more so than his siblings because his birth was clothed in unquestionable impropriety. The radical nature of God reflected in the very real life of his son is inescapable. The Messiah who showed up wore a different kind of glory than the one the Jews were looking for. He wore the glory of humility. God is great, the cry of the Muslims, is a truth which needed no supernatural teaching to men, writes Father Neville Figgis. That God is little, that is the truth that Jesus taught man. The God who roared, who could order armies and empires about like pawns on a chessboard, this God emerged in Palestine as a baby, who could not speak or eat solid food or control his bladder, who depended on a teenager for shelter, food and love. When I think about that, I think about the difference that Jesus makes for me in my life. I think about the sin in my life, the times when I have felt outside an outsider, that I've felt ostracised, that, that I've felt shamed of the things that I've done in my life. What message was Jesus trying to share with us when he came, the way he came at Christmas What difference does he make in your life? I know when I was in Africa, 
I, I thought about this and I thought this is a birthing suite in, in a very upmarket birthing suite in Africa. And this is a, a photograph of an ambulance for a pregnant woman. There's an attachment and that, that um, metal rack that you can see behind is put onto another wheel and the pregnant woman who could be in labour is rushed to the nearest hospital in Africa. And I think about the way Jesus came, the personalised God, and I think to those African women, what difference does it make? What message does it reassure them that the God that created the universe understands about their poverty, understands about their condition, because he himself was born in such a marginalised, poverty-stricken way. I, I think about the conversations I've had in the last few weeks to people who, I can only summarise, see themselves as broken vessels. How could God ever use me? I've got too much sin in my life. I've got too many challenges. I feel broken inside. What difference does the way Jesus, who came as a personalised God, make in your life, speak to you? G.K. Chesterton says, Alone of all creeds, Christianity has added courage to the virtues of the Creator. The need for such courage began with Jesus' first night on earth and did not end until his last. From the human perspective, when you compare God to the other gods of the other religions in the world, you have to say our God is really sort of odd. He uses the most common people, people that aren't any different from any of us here. He comes in the most common of ways when by his spirit an anonymous young woman is found to be with child. And the strangest thing is that he comes at all. He's not the above us God, too holy to come down. This God's love is so immense that he wants to come down. And he has proven his love by the fact that he did come down and touch our ground. In the first chapter of John... It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And in verse 14, it says, and the Word became flesh, and he dwelt, he dwelt among us. That word dwelt literally means he pitched his tent here among us mortals. He lived among us. He worked among us. He prayed among us. He suffered among us. And he died among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. How could God become a man? The answer to this question lies in the mind of God alone. All we know is that God chose a virgin named Mary and caused her to miraculously conceive and bring forth a baby. And I do know that on that night when Jesus was born, God had come to earth. Somehow the word became flesh. While Jesus himself had existed from all eternity's past, he took up on himself a robe of flesh there in Bethlehem 
the creator was born to the creature. God placed his life in the hands of mortals. Imagine those same infant hands which grasped Mary's finger were the hands that created the myriad of stars. That same voice that cried out moments after birth was the voice that named each of those stars. I wonder if we understand the difference a personalised God makes to our lives, the tremendous truth of the incarnation. We get so used to the words Emmanuel, God with us, God incarnate, God in flesh. They roll off our lips and we don't begin to fathom what they mean. The one who had all glory and power and purity and praise became despised, poor, needy, helpless. The one who was before the world began became a tiny, seemingly insignificant speck in this world. It was a big risk for God to decide to need people as part of God's own life. Without other people, the baby Jesus would die. God needed Mary and Joseph and probably lots of others to be able to live in this world. It's a big risk for God to decide to need people. And is the world really different here and now than it was all those years ago in Bethlehem? Perhaps God still needs people if God is going to remain alive in this world. You know, the difference he makes as a personalised God is that we no longer have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin. And Hebrews 4, 15 to 16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The difference that this personalised God makes in the way that he came, in what he modelled with his birth, is that there is nothing, nothing in your past, there is nothing in your present that he cannot identify with, that you cannot bring to him with confidence. And the wonderful thing is, when you do that, he says you will receive mercy and grace in your time of need. What an amazing God. What an amazing baby. But that's not all. He's not only a personalised God. He's a God that has provided so much for this world. That is the difference he has made. You know, when Jesus came to earth, there was this seismic shift in the world centre. Before Jesus, there was BC. Since Jesus, we have AD. Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. When the atheistic Soviet Union wrote their constitution in 1917, they were forced to reference the constitution with the phrase, in the year of our Lord. They were forced to do that. 1917 AD. And Jesus, the difference he makes, told a parable. He said that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed 
You know, when Jesus came as a baby, the difference he made is that he heralded in a kingdom of heaven here on earth. Do you know the ancient world that Jesus was born into was absolutely a secularised, horrible, amazingly, unbelievably dreadful world. Infanticide, meaning the killing of children, was a commonplace. Suicide was seen as a glory to do, particularly in battle. Abortion was rife. Women and children were treated worse than animals. Slaves. In fact, in, in the Roman world, three quarters of the world were slaves. Only one quarter was free men. Jesus came into a world that was marked by debauchery and destruction. And Jesus heralded in, his birth heralded in the kingdom of heaven. That's, what he, that's the difference he made. He provided so much to this world and it started with a small seed, with a baby that was born in a marginalised way in a manger. And yet this seed, as small as a mustard, which a man took and planted in the field, though it was the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. The difference that Jesus made in this world is beyond belief. It is a force, unstoppable force, which has had its impact in every single part of the world that we know now, let me tell you about some of the areas that Jesus, this babe that came at Christmas, the difference that he made just briefly. First of all, his high regard for human life. We were created in the image of God. And we understood what that meant when Jesus came in human flesh. Jesus' teachings had a worldwide impact on moral values. Let me tell you a story, a true story. In 1844, H.L. Hastings visited the Fiji Islands. Life was very cheap. You could buy another human being for $7 or trade for one musket. They were cheaper than buying a cow. After purchase, you could work them, whip them, starve them, then eat them, and no one would say a word. In fact, some were actually bought for that last purpose. H.L. Hastings returned several years later and found that one could not buy a human being for $7 million. And there were now some 1,200 churches scattered throughout the islands. The gospel had been preached and people had learned that they were not their own. They were bought with a price, not, not silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus had a worldwide impact on moral values. Jesus also had an impact on health and medicine. The first hospitals were built by Christians. He had a contribution towards freedom for all and civil liberties. Do you know the Magna Carta, which was signed in 1255, which proclaimed freedom for all in England, was based on Jesus' two greatest commandments. In Ireland, in 425, St. Patrick based the British, the British law 
on the book of Moses and the first two commandments. Jesus, his influence, the difference he made and what he provided for the world is unbelievable. Contributions to the poor and needy in our world go without knowing. His impact on science. Most people, most scientists would disregard Christianity, but did you know that most of the leaders in modern science were Christians, including Kepler, Copernicus, Galileo, Boyle, Newton, Faraday, Herschel, Lyle and Pasteur. Modern science arose in only one place in human history, in Christian Europe. This is because of the high place assigned to reason by Christianity and the belief that a rational creator created an orderly and rational world. The difference the babe in the manger made and the contribution that he has provided through health care, through economics, through the family, through the values. You know, women... Or talk, let me talk for one moment about women. One of the reasons I resisted Christianity until I was 27 was because I thought as a woman that Christianity kept women down, women down. And I didn't like that. I'm a woman. I, I was an um, educated woman. And so I, I eschewed Christianity until I came to know the babe in the manger. And I saw that that babe actually spoke about women and their rights for the first time in history in a way that history had never done before or has never done since. You know, women are protected now in a family. It, prior to Jesus coming, a woman could be divorced for any reason. A woman was exposed to sexual abuse to all sorts of indecencies. And Jesus came. He spoke to the woman at the well. He elevated her position. He said to the adulteress, or he, he, he actually taught the people around him that it wasn't just a woman that needed to consider her lifestyle. It was the men that were coming to accuse her. So the family became important. Education, the first schools, the first universities were commenced by Christians. The impact on arts and culture goes beyond belief. If you tour any of the great cities of the world and see all of the most beautiful art, you'll see that mostly it depicts one thing, what we celebrate this Christmas, the birth of the God child the writing of languages, the elevated value of the common good of the person, women and millions of lives that have been changed for good. This is all the provision that Jesus brought. You know, when Jesus changed and transforms men's lives, they in turn are able to transfer society. And we could argue that changed lives, lives that are different alone, are a sufficient testimony to this unique baby. But we know that changed lives result in changed families, changed neighbourhoods, changed societies. The transformation of individuals and nations for the better can all be attributed to this one baby that we honour 
at Christmas, this one that was born in a manger, but soon to return as ruler of the universe. That's the difference he makes. Every time you send your child to be educated in a school, every time you need to go to a hospital and be cared for by trained doctors, where did that foundation come from? From the babe that was born in the manger at Christmas. Do you see how radical Jesus is? Do you see how radical his birth is? I want to ask you, what difference does this thought make to your life? Well, I would like to think that you'd want to proclaim it. The difference he makes is that we are not a people that hide our light under a bushel. The difference is that we are to go out into this world and proclaim the glory, just as the angels claimed the glory. As it's said in Luke, the angels came and proclaimed the glory of the Messiah that was to come. The difference Jesus has made in our lives needs to be shouted from the rooftop. The Bible from Genesis 3 to Revelation 22 tells the story of a God reckless with desire to get his family back. God struck the decisive blow when he sent the sun on a long journey to planet Earth. The Bible's last scene, the parable of the lost son, ends in jubilation. The family united once more. The literary critic Reynold Preuss puts it this way. He says in the clearest voice we have the sentence that mankind craves from stories. The maker of all things loves and wants me. In no other book our culture owns can we see a clearer graph of that need, of that tall, enormous, radiant arc, fragile creatures made by God's hand, hurled into space, then caught at last by a man in some ways like ourselves. You say, if I'd been there at Bethlehem that night, I would have seen, I would have understood, I would have known it was the Christ child. Ask yourself, do you know the difference the Christ child makes in your life at this Christmas season? When you watch the 6pm news, did you see chaos and strife? Or did you see sheep without a shepherd? You know the good shepherd and the difference he makes in your life. Proclaim him. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For unto us, a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When you went out to do your shopping, did you see only hordes of people in the stores? 
Or did you notice the worried expressions on some of their faces? Worried because they're facing this Christmas without employment or enough money or enough food and they don't know how they're going to make ends meet? Did you see people who were lost, confused, anxious and frightened? You know the Prince of Peace and the difference he makes in your life. Go out there and, and proclaim it. Or did you hear only the blasts of music and carols? Or did you hear the silent sighs of the lonely and the bereaved who may be dreading Christmas because it accentuates their loneliness? You know the wonderful counsellor and the difference he makes in your life. Go out there and proclaim it. And in the midst of honking horns and people arguing over parking places, did you hear the faint sounds of laughter coming from Trudwin Road to the children who received something for Christmas? Or when you went to the hospital because you ate too much Christmas pud and you had a hospital to go to and a doctor to attend to you? Or when you knew you had a deadline to meet with those assignments and you thought, oh, you know, I'm just so sick of this study. Did you stop and think that the fact that you can study is because you have a providential God and the difference he makes in your life? Go out there and proclaim it. And when you're all alone and think no one understands you, that your heart cries at the rejection and wounding of others, that life has given you the short stick, that friends let you down, wives or husbands let you down, that no one could appreciate your life and what you are going through, think again. Do you want to see the humility of God? Look in the manger and see him lying there. Surely this is our God, seeing an infant? I wonder how this could be the one who says, do I not feel heaven and earth? I see a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Is this the one who is clothed in the beautiful glory of unapproachable light? Listen, he's crying. Is this the one who thunders in the heaven, making the angels lower their wings? Yes, but he has emptied himself in order to fill us. You know the personal God and the difference he makes in your life. Proclaim him. What difference does the babe in the manger make to you? In summary for me, the difference he makes in my life Instead of being a sinner, I'm forgiven. Instead of darkness, there is light. Instead of despair, there is hope. Instead of bondage, there is freedom. Instead of paradise lost, there is paradise gained. Instead of isolation, there is community. Instead of rejection, there is acceptance. Instead of in my own strength, there is his spirit. Instead of fear and death reigning, there is life eternal. I belong. I have hope. I'm forgiven. 
I am loved. That is the difference he makes. This Christmas, that difference is worth proclaiming. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming to earth. We thank you for coming in the way you came so we could know you personally, but we could know that you identify with the grottiness of our life, that we have a high priest who understands us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the difference you've made in this world, even when this world continues to deny it, continues to reject it. Without you, without the babe in the world, this world would be absolutely destroyed. And it is being destroyed, Lord, because man chooses to ignore the babe in the manger. But we thank you that you came and for your provision. Oh, Lord, today... Let us not get so carried up with the busyness and the preparations for Christmas and all the external things that just don't matter. Or let us today remember and have a radical encounter with the babe in the manger. Let us never forget what you've done for us. Let us go out into this world boldened, emboldened, and, and let us go out proclaiming the glorious message that God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen.